If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 will begin at verse 27 and read tonight through verse 42. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. The grass withers and the flower fades away. But the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening we saw the episode of Jesus and the Samaritan Woman, We saw the Lord Jesus Christ going to Samaria. And He went for a reason to seek out this woman. We saw also last week that He showed her her sin. He knew all about her and how He even condemned the false worship of the Samaritans and told her that one who worships God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And at the end of our text last Sunday evening, He revealed Himself to her. That He is the Messiah. And so tonight, we continue on in John chapter 4, and we see what happened after, and how there was a harvest. Jesus reminds us tonight that the fields are white for harvest. He uses a a physical example from creation for a spiritual lesson for His disciples. Crops are ready for the most part when they are white. This is true in creation. It is also true 
spiritually as well. And at this time, as this woman was converted to faith in Christ, the fields were white for harvest. But what about tonight? Are the fields white for harvest? Well, I believe what Jesus says here holds true for this evening. For wherever the gospel is proclaimed, wherever we go and get a testimony of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He uses that to bring the crop in. Those in Samaria, they were face to face face with the Lord Jesus. And He uses this to teach His disciples, to teach them to sow and reap faithfully. And if they do so, then they will see a harvest. Sometimes that harvest will be great. Other times it will be small. But there will be a harvest nonetheless. And so there are four things I want us to see tonight. And the first is the testimony of the Samaritan woman. We hear of that in verses 27 through 30. And in verse 27, the disciples returned. They had been gone to get something to eat. And they are marveled that Jesus is talking with a woman. Now, why would that marvel them? Because in that day and age, you would not find a man doing that often. It was viewed in a way as being inappropriate for a man and a woman by themselves to be speaking in this way. And so they they marveled at the fact that he was talking with this woman, but they did not ask her, what are you seeking or why are you talking with her? And we'll get back to the disciples in a moment. Well, what do we find the woman doing? She leaves her water jar and she goes into the city. And she goes into the city with a message. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Matthew Henry said, note those who are brought to the knowledge of Christ, will show it by a holy contempt of this world and the things of it. Do you remember she was there to get water, but then she leaves that behind because she had found the spiritual water that she needed to quench her thirst. The physical water was no longer important to her. She leaves the water pot and she goes into the city and she begins inviting men and women all to come and see this man that she had met. And we'll see the outcome in a few moments of what happened. But this woman faithfully testifies to the Lord Jesus. As John Calvin says, she merely does the office of a trumpet or a bell to invite others to come to Christ. And it wasn't a a theological statement necessarily. It wasn't a long sermon. She just asked the question, is this the Christ? Is this man that I met, the Messiah, is he the Christ. Can this be the Christ? And so that question demands a response. And so it intrigued those of the city. What do we find them doing? They immediately go out of the town and, and they are coming to Jesus. They, they are heeding the words of this woman and they are going to see for themselves could this be Christ? In a very simple way, this woman is giving a testimony of what God had done in her life. She had been converted. She wanted others to know of this man that she had met. This one that had just told her, he is the Messiah. 
And she wants all to come to Him and see for themselves. Now this is one way that we can do that as well. We can invite others to come and see Jesus. We can invite others to come and to worship with us on the Lord's Day to hear the Lord Jesus speak through His Word and through preaching, especially those whom we know do not have faith in Christ. And so this woman, she goes out and she gives that testimony. But the second thing that we see here tonight is Jesus and His food that He had to eat. Not physical food, but a spiritual food and what He had come to do. In verse 31, Jesus and the disciples are together. And they are urging the Lord to eat. Rabbi, teacher, eat. No doubt it had been some time since Jesus had eaten anything. This just reminds us that our Lord is fully human. He would get hungry physically as we get hungry, thirsty physically as we get thirsty. And the disciples were worried about their, their master and teacher. But notice what he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now, what food is he talking about? Well, he's going to tell them in a minute, but they're confused. Did someone bring him something to eat? Did someone go and, and bring our Lord something to eat? And so then he tells them what he is saying. Often Jesus had to do this in his first advent. The disciples, many times, they were slow to understand the words of the Lord. And so he tells them in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, what was that work? That is that work is what our Lord made his meat and drink. The work he had to do among the Samaritans, the prospect he now had of doing good to many. This was the meat and the drink to the Lord. It was the greatest pleasure for the Lord and the greatest satisfaction imaginable. See, Jesus worked the meat that He ate. That food that He ate was to do the will of His Father. Now what ultimately was that will? It was to redeem sinners. To redeem the elect of God. Now we know later that Jesus would go to the cross and He would die on the cross for the sins of His people. We know that that work is now complete. And therefore man is able to experience salvation. The woman had experienced salvation as he trusted in the Messiah, in the Lord. He had not yet completed that work, for her salvation was the same as ours. But now we know that work is done. It is finished. There is nothing left to be done. And so the work and the mission of Christ was to advance the kingdom of God. That is our work as well in the church. We are to advance the kingdom of God. We are a part of that great kingdom of our Lord and Savior. He is King. He is Lord over us. And we are to be advancing His kingdom as we advance the church in enemy territory. You understand at this moment in time, Samaria was enemy territory. Now it's about to change. They were worshiping in a way that they were not commanded to worship. 
But Jesus came to do that work. The mission of our Lord was not only to advance the kingdom of God, but to restore to life lost souls. Wherever he went, what was he doing? He was preaching. Our Lord was a preacher. He went out preaching the good news, preaching the gospel, preaching as John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is our message, isn't it? Through that preaching, we see God restoring life to lost souls. The mission of our Lord was to spread the light of the gospel. That good news of what He has done. This is the commission that He has given to the church. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize, making disciples, teaching them all things that I have, that I have taught you. And we are to do that to the end of the age. Why? Because Jesus says, And lo, I am with you until the end of the age, until the last of God's elect is brought in. Then we will see the glorious return of our Lord. In short, the work that Jesus came to do was to bring salvation to the world. And this He has done. Again, if this was the mission of our Lord, this should also be our mission as the church, as those who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to make it our mission in this life. The third thing we see is what happens when there is faithful sowing and how that leads to faithful reaping. Verse 35, Jesus continues, do you not... Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Now in creation, it takes time to get from seed to harvest. You don't just plant a seed one day and get it the next. That would be nice. But it doesn't happen that way. There's no rushing the process. The harvest physically Speaking comes as God gives it. And the same is true with the spiritual harvest. Now, as Jesus is speaking these words, in a very real sense, all who were in that town were coming out to meet Him. No doubt our Lord would have said to His disciples, look, the fields are white for harvest. John Calvin stated this, when the corn is ripe, the harvest cannot bear delay. For otherwise the grain would fall to the ground and be lost. And in like manner, the spiritual corn being now ripe, he declares that there must be no delay because delay is injurious. He goes on in, in verse 36. And he says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now on this particular point, it was Jesus who labored. He was the one that spoke with this woman. And that the disciples, they are about to reap. A bountiful harvest. 
Jesus sowed the seed in her heart. He preached to this woman. And, and then the woman went and she gave testimony into that town. And, and they, the disciples, did not sow, but they were about to reap this crop. Now this holds true today. One sows and another reaps. Paul says that to the church of Corinth. Remember the, the church of Corinth had many divisions and they said, well, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul. I'm of the Jesus party. Paul says none of that matters because one sows and another reaps. It doesn't matter who does the sowing or the reaping. As long as the seed is sown faithfully, there will be a faithful reaping in God's timing. Now we want it all done in our lifetime. And that would be nice. We're praying for revival. The more we pray for revival, the more apt God is to send it. But we may not see it. It may happen 30 years down the road. It may be 30 years from now, this church is full morning and evening every Lord's Day. We may never see that, but as, if we are sowing the seed, if we're praying for that, then one day God will, will send the harvest. There are times when we want the harvest to be a bumper crop. We want a hundred or a thousand souls saved, but it may just be one or two. But there must be faithful sowing. If there is faithful sowing, then there will be a faithful harvest. And then the last thing is this that we see. The crop will come in. If you sow a seed, you will get a crop. It may not be exactly what you want. And we know that there are, are times where drought may take a whole a crop out. There are certain things we cannot control. That is controlled by God, but if we're doing what we are to do, sowing the seed correctly, caring uh, for the plants as they come up, we will have a, a crop. And this is what Jesus reminds them of here. In verse 39, we read, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now notice as the Samaritans come out, they heard the word of God. They heard the word speak to them. And as he stayed with them for two days, and what a blessing that must have been for these Samaritans, conversing with the Lord for two days, sitting with him, hearing him teach and, and preach, that, that because of that, many more believed. There was a revival. Jesus preached, the Spirit worked, and there was a, a revival there in Samaria in that town called Sychar. Now why did these people believe? Because they had heard for themselves. And they knew that Jesus was the Savior. And again, we go back to the woman and what does she say? Can this be the Christ? Can this be the one that had been promised? Can this be the Messiah of Israel? And as the crowd comes, 
then, then they hear him and, and the crop is plentiful. And when there's a, a bumper crop that comes in, there will be great rejoicing. This was the type of crop we find here in Samaria. This had been the crop in different parts of the world throughout history. Let me just give you one example of a, of a bumper crop. In, in Nepal, the church there grew from 15,000 in 1970 to almost 400,000 30 years later. Think of that. 30 years from 15,000 to 400,000. Now that is a bumper crop. This has been the type of crop in certain places in Africa as well as there have been faithful ministers who have gone and preached the word and delivered such people from their superstitions and the witchcraft and the, and the witch doctors and the voodoo. Why? Because they went with the word of God. As Robert Rayburn states, when God has willed it, nothing could stop the advance of the gospel in the world. Think about what we have heard in recent times in places such as communist China where they crack down on the underground church, but as they continue to crack down on the underground church, what does God do? He uses that to bring more and more people to faith. Now understand, as we pray for revival here, in our context, that might be the way that we get it through persecution. We're living in a time where, at least on a federal level, our government is no friend of the church nor of Christians. We've even seen it on a state level in the last few years. And so that might well be what is in store for us. That we might get that revival through persecution. But however it comes, it will come in God's timing. The crop will come in. Again, sometimes it will be a bumper crop. Other times it may be very small. But there is a cause for rejoicing no matter the size of the crop. And so what application can we make? Well, first of all, we are to be faithful in sowing even if we do not see a bumper crop in our life lifetime. Turn over for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, Paul reminds the Corinthian church of this as he deals with divisions in the church. We'll pick up at verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now what is Paul saying? It doesn't matter who sows or who reaps. What matters is that there is faithful sowing, and as there is faithful sowing of the Word of God, there will be a reaping in due time. Now, what have we seen in our context here in America, North America, Europe as well? We have seen the, the rise and the fall of the church, haven't we? At one time in our context, the church was 
highly esteemed. In Europe, the church was highly esteemed, but now we are no longer held in such esteem. So what are we to do? Well, we are not to stop sowing the seed of God's Word. Isaiah reminds us, as the Lord spoke to the prophet, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so we're to be sowing the seed of God's Word. How can you do that? Well, when God brings someone to your door, you sow the seed. When God brings someone to your path, and you sow the seed of that Word. The second thing we understand are that the fields are still white for harvest. And we are much like the Samaritan woman. The fact that we have a testimony of God's grace to give. It's a story of God's grace. It's a story of God's love. It's a story of God's ever-changing power in the lives of sinners. That is our testimony to this world. That's what we are to be giving to others. Of how bad we were and how we are now in Christ. We find the Samaritan woman doing just that. And what did God do? He used it. Can this be the Christ? And the whole town came out and, and testified, yes, this is the Christ as they heard the Lord preaching. And so all we have to do is look around and we will see the field is white for harvest. All we have to do is understand who we live beside and our neighbors and we know many of them are not found in Christ. And we go and we tell them the good news of the Lord Jesus. We have a, a responsibility to sow the seed of God's Word. Robert Rayburn put it like this, the Lord will make even the least likely willing in the day of His power. It is not ours to make the fields ripe for harvest. It is ours to work faithfully in the meantime. Perhaps we are sowing for a great day of reaping soon to come. It is ours to pray for the day of the Lord and the drawing near of the kingdom of God. And it is ours, remember that, even in the day of small things, the Lord Jesus Christ can be honored and the lost can be saved. If only in ones and twos, by Christians bearing their witness as faithfully as did the Samaritan woman. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. It is as simple as that. It may be come and see a man. Come and learn of Jesus. Come and worship with me. Come and hear the truth of God's Word. And then we pray for those people to come. We pray that they would come and hear the truth. And then the rest is up to God, isn't it? It is He who gives the harvest. It is He who brings the crop in. And so tonight we have heard the Lord speak in His Word and through the preaching of His Word. But tonight we also come and we see Him. No, we're not having a, a vision of Jesus in our minds. We're not seeing any 
bodily image of our Lord. That's a violation of the second commandment why, and why we don't have pictures of our Lord. But we do see Him in the, in the Lord's Supper. Again, this is the only legitimate picture we have of Jesus. And He invites us to come and see. You remember after the resurrection, Jesus met with the disciples. But one was missing. Thomas. And Thomas doubted. He said, I will not believe until I see the scars on his hands and see his body. I will not believe it is the risen Lord. And what did Jesus do? Well, he came again and Thomas saw him. And Jesus invited Thomas to touch the scars. To see that it was really him. And Thomas fell down and worshiped the Lord. And Jesus invites us tonight to this table to come and see what he has done for us. To come and see the scars. To come and see the fact that He gave His own life to save sinners just as bad as the woman at the well in Samaria. To give us life. To give us redemption. And so as God's people, we are very thankful to come and see tonight. And not only to come and see, but to come and taste that the Lord is good and the bread and the wine. To come and partake of that which He has left to us that we are to observe until He comes again. But if you are here tonight and you do not have such faith, then you too are to come, not to the table but you are to come in faith and repentance to the Lord Jesus. And then you will have your sins forgiven. And you will be able to do like the Samaritan woman. And go and tell all the great things the Lord has done for you. Come. Can this be the Christ? Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word and that You invite us to come to Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for any who are here tonight that does not have faith that You, in Your sovereign grace and mercy, even now, would change their hearts and bring them to saving faith in the Lord. And Father, as we come to Your table now, may we come in faith, come thankful that You have saved us. That You have redeemed us. That we are a part of Your crop, that harvest that You have brought in. May this table be a means of grace to us this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.